Good morning. My name is Renika Chaney. I'm a member here at Christ Central, and um, I meet at the community group uh, at the Lanier's house. The scripture today comes from Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Amen. Thank you, Renika. Good morning, Christ Central. Good morning, everyone. All right, there we go. Uh, let me move this here. Um, if I could take the pastoral privilege here just to uh, share two quick things. You already heard about the men's retreat, and you already heard that um, we have two main speakers, one of which is one of our own elders, Dave Gregg, and the other one is a former member of our church, Ben Jones, who's a licensed counselor with the Barnabas Center. Um, a lot of you know about the Barnabas, Barnabas Center, have benefited from their work. Um, so men, I would, um, I would implore you to register. Right now we have um, about half or so of what we've expected. We'd like more of you to come, uh, to come out for the weekend. There is a Saturday option as well. So if you can't come out on Friday, you can't afford to do that, spend the night. Um, although you're going to miss out on Dave's talk if you don't come out on Friday night. Um, but you can come out on Saturday also. There's a price for that. And also, we also have scholarships available as well. So, and it includes um, uh, our boys too. So, uh, well, they just left for a youth group. But um, if you're a dad in here and you've got a teenager or a mom, you've got a teenager, teenage boy, 13 years old or up, they are invited to this retreat as well. So make sure you uh, take advantage of that for them. And the other thing is, if you like print design, you kind of like that stuff, uh, maybe you do it professionally or you just like messing around with things, you like to see order, you like to see, you know, you hate it when the different boxes on a page are not aligned correctly, like that really disturbs you, then come talk to me uh, because we're looking for some folks to kind of help us out or re maybe do a little bit of redesign to our bulletin. Uh, but also be responsible for pulling it together uh, each week and making sure that it's given to the folks who will then print it out. Um, so if you're into print design, please talk to me after the worship service or just send me an email, uh, which my email address is inside the, the bulletin there. All right, so that's as far as we go with commercials. So let me get us into the word for today. Um, it's epiphany. 
This is Epiphany Sunday uh, for a lot of churches around the world. Uh, it's the time in which we celebrate uh, God's appearing to the nations. That is, the Messiah's appearing to the nations. Uh, Epiphany simply means uh, appearing. And this is usually the time in which uh, the churches begin to, to celebrate the, the retelling of the story of the, the wise men. We did that earlier, which is fine. The whole culture did it earlier because the wise men in the nativity scene. It's inaccurate. Pastor Howard already told us about that, right? The wise men probably came when Jesus was probably about two years old or something like that. But it, it's okay. It's all part of the same story. We got it in there. There's grace. It covers the whole thing. We're fine. Um, but, but this is, the, this is uh, traditionally uh, for a while now been the, the time of year in which the church is uh, focused its, its attention on the visit of the wise men. But, but it's also just a time to think about and to focus on the Messiah is appearing to us, to all of the nations. The revelation of God, the revelation of his mystery. I think that as we've entered into this new year, that I may not be the only one that needs a revelation from God this morning. I may not be the only one that needs to see something, to hear something from the Lord. As we move into a new year, which is filled with unknown events, filled with unknown decisions, filled with things that can fill us if we're not careful with fear and anxiety. We need something to appear, to be revealed to us in this new year that is before us in 2019. Especially when you hear news about other people and what they're going through and their sufferings. Even at Christ Central, we have not been exempt. Some of our own leaders and staff members have been going through some difficult times within the past two months. And when we, we've been, you know, elders and women shepherds, we've been busy. We've been on group me, texting each other uh, about hospital visits that we've had to make. And from, I mean, you know, regardless of age, I mean, we're talking about babies all the way up to, um, well, I'm not going to say seniors, sorry, seasoned saints, right? Um, had to be careful. Mom told me I had to be careful with that. Um, and, and so we, you know, but, you know, so we look at, we look at our, we look at our leaders and we look at others who are sort of, you know, at, at the top of the Christian community and maybe have heard about their sufferings and that, which is to say nothing about what each of us are going through, right? We, we each have stories here of what things have been happening to our loved ones and even to ourselves within the past couple of months. And so we look ahead and we just, we think, you know, man, is, is that what, is this, that, that situation, this suffering and what's happening to, to leaders, those who are really sold out for Jesus, right, who are, you know, at the top, is that what's ahead for me? Is that what I have to look forward to in 2019? More of that, right? Is, is God going to do something different? Now, there are ways that, in which we can respond to that. I think, I think our, our, our culture Right? So not just in the church, but also outside. I think we can respond to it in different ways. We can get real cynical about things, or we could sort of like give in to the, the illusion of our meritocracy. Let me explain that. So I think, you know, to, to, get, to get cynical about it is just to say, well, look, yeah, of course, it's going you know, to get worse. I mean, I'm not going to receive any kind of word or revelation about hope and comfort and peace. You know, yada, 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 that's nice, but I, we really know what's going to happen. I really know what's ahead. And what I like to say often, and I, this is not original to me, but I like to say often about cynicism, is when you, when you see through everything, eventually you see nothing, right? 
Like, oh, I, yo, I, I get that. Yeah, but I don't really know what's underneath that. But, you know, then you see nothing. And even right now, maybe someone in this room, that, that's where you are right now. Beginning of 2019, you just, you see nothing. Because there's just, just really nothing there. Just kind of going through the motions. I'm alive. Let me just do what I need to do. And then when I pass from this mortal coil, that's it. Or you can kind of like, give into this illusion of the meritocracy, sort of like, so maybe you, know, not, you don't have as much hidden despair or not so hidden despair, sort of the cynic, but, but it's like, the, you know, um, I, I can just work my way into success, right? I can, I can earn my way into it. I, I know how to make it. You know, I know what to do. All I have to do is just, if I do this right with my boss, if I have this right project, if I, you know, work this way in my marriage, or if I do this with my roommates, or if I do this with my parents and all that kind of stuff, it'll work out for me. And, and, and all I have to do is just work hard, make the right decisions, and this year will turn out the way that I need it to turn out. Right? And then there are others who, who look at that and say, there's no way, I can't do that, right? And so then there is despair. There's a, I, can't, I don't have enough privilege. I don't have the opportunities. I don't have the resources. I can't work it out. What's in it for me? How, do, how, do I, how can I have any hope, any courage for what's ahead in 2019? So that I think the temptation for any of us is to become like these isolated Really hardworking people that, that, are, that are desperate to get the marrow out of life, who dig in really hard, but we're not really connected to others, or even less connected to God. We need a transforming revelation, one that will encourage us to live courageously in the midst of the unknown. The good news is, there was a word from the Lord. Now, as we saw, in the text already this morning, it's written to, it's titled, the book is titled Ephesians. That means it's written to believers, Christians, Christ followers in Ephesus. Ephesus was a port city, still is, um, but back in that day was pretty popular, had a huge amphitheater, right? Not unlike the Bank of America Stadium. Uh, you could see all the way out to the, to the sea from it. It was beautiful. It had a temple to Artemis. Diana, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, they had um, huge, uh, so sports and religion was big. Kind of sounds like Charlotte, right? So that, you know, so they're, they're Ephesus. There are these Christians who are uh, people who were unfamiliar with the gospel until Paul and others had come and began to build the church. And so Paul uh, is now uh, writing a letter to these believers in this, this port city that, that people enjoyed from uh, various parts of the Middle East. And uh, they're, they're starting to feel a little discouraged. Why? Because their leader, Paul, who's an apostle, is writing this letter from, from prison. He's been in prison. And so just like, you know, any of us would who have following Jesus and, and trying to get some temperature, trying to gauge what our lives will look like in the future by looking at our leaders, they too are looking at Paul and saying, wait, is that what's in it for me? Like, what, what, right, he's an apostle, and he's in prison, and, 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 and uh, what, what, what's going to happen to us? What's, what's our year going to look like? Are, are we going to make it? 
Are we all going to be persecuted like that? What's in store for us? And Paul just says, hold up. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Right? And you, you see that, that, that phrase, don't lose heart, this disheartened. It's, it's like your heart has just been ripped out of you. Right? And, and, and even right now, some of us are in that position. As we come into 2019, some of us have had our hearts ripped out due to events and, 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 and decisions that have been made in 2018 and beyond. But God has a word for us, just as he had for his people back in this time, these believers in Ephesus. And so the way that Paul begins to encourage them is he begins to highlight his ministry and he draws out some things. He talks about, and, and I'm going to unpack these two things, he talks about the mystery of Christ and what that mystery reveals. He talks about the mystery of Christ and what it reveals. Look at verse 2. He says, right, well, this is amazing in verse 1 that, that Paul even refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You see the perspective that he has here? It's right, I'm not just in prison by the Romans that he, he was, but, you know, but I'm a prisoner of Christ. Right? I'm here because of the Lord. I belong to him. I am enwrapped in him. And then so verse 2, he says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship, the responsibility of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, when he talks about mystery here, he's not talking about a puzzle. Right? He's, this isn't Sherlock Holmes uh, or that, what I've been hearing is a terrible movie, Holmes and Watson. It's just, you know, I know some people are fans of Will Ferrell. He didn't do it this time. He didn't do it. He need to go back to Talladega Nights. You know, go back, go back, brother. Um, but, but anyway, so, you know, but we're not talking about that kind of puzzle, right? And then we're not talking about a secret either. And when we say mystery, it's not a secret for the inner circle, you know, for, for those who are part of the spiritual elite. You know, if you do these steps, if you become an initiate and then, you know, you put on a robe and kind of do some chants and stuff like that, and you get to go into the back room and wear the, the lambskin around your loins and all that kind of stuff. It's just not, you know, and then you get the secret knowledge. It's, no, this isn't what Paul is talking about, not that kind of mystery. But what he's saying and when he says mystery, he's talking about a revelation from God that is revealed, that is given to all people. In other words, it was, it was something that was previously hidden, but now has been made known. It was a mystery, but now it has been revealed. And it has been revealed for, uh, for all of humanity in all ages. It was never revealed to anyone in the past. As he said, it was hidden. It, 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 it was not made known to the, the sons of men in other generations, but now it is made known to you and I. What is that mystery? He says it right there in verse 6. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles, non-Jews, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Non-Jews have become one people with the Jews. Non-Jews have become one people 
with the Jews. This is amazing. Because if you remember, if you're familiar with the scriptures, if you're familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, there's a promise that God gives to Abraham. And he told him, he, he said, leave this land and go to the land that I will show you. And then he says, and, and what, when you go there, I, I'm promising you that this land, this choice land, will not only belong to you, but it will belong to your children and your children's children. And I will make of you a great nation. Your offspring will inherit this land, will inherit this place, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. But if you weren't, if you weren't Jewish, right, the, the, the way that you kind of got into this, and there was a way for you to get into that, to get into God's promise, God's covenant promise to Abraham and to his offspring. There was a way to get in, but you had to leave your country of origin. Many, many, many Gentiles had to do that. They had to leave where they grew up. They had to leave their families. They had to forfeit uh, whatever inheritance they thought they were going to get through their parents or their grandparents to join up with Israel, to join up with the people of God. And when they did that, they sort of lived like second-class citizens. Second-class citizens who were living in a culture that was alien to them in order to gain the blessing. Second-class citizens who had to leave behind their own contributions to human culture and society, who had to leave behind their family and inheritance in order to assimilate so that they could get the blessing. They had to enter into a, a, a theocracy, and that's just a big word for a, a government, a socio-political reality that is governed by God, which, by the way, we do not live under a theocracy right now. We get it twisted and think America is one it is not. God has done something new. God, I'll explain it here in a minute. <clears throat> um, you had to keep the laws if you want to be part of Israel, if you want to get access to God, if you want to get access to God's promises to Abraham and to his children, his ethnic children, you had to be, you had to keep the laws, right? And there were some Gentiles who were like, I'm not doing that, especially some of the men, they're like, I'm not getting circumcised, I ain't doing that, I'm not going all the way, but guess what, you know, maybe I could do some of these things or whatever, and I can still maybe kind of live in my homeland a little bit, be sort of partially Jewish, that sort of deal, again, second-class existence among God's people. But in any way, in any, in any way, you had to become Jewish in order to have access to God and his promise. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled all the laws that God had given to his people, and he fulfilled that law not only for the Jews, but all would-be Jews. Therefore, through that work, through the fulfillment of the law, the kosher laws and the ceremonial laws and all these different things, he was able, in himself, Christ, was able to make one people from all peoples of the world who would not only inherit a tract of land in the Middle East, but the entire earth, the entire world. One people who would inherit everything as far as the eye could see and beyond. Everyone 
who kind of looked into what God was doing, what he was up to, as they had different parts of the scriptures, the prophets and other writings and things like that. They, you know, they saw, okay, yeah, Gentiles are included somehow. You know, it's going to be a blessing. After all, God did say to Abraham that your children will be a blessing, right, to all the families of the earth. So they knew that all nations, but, but they didn't know, they didn't see that all of these nations would be gathered into one country, right? I mean, like, like one nation that would actually be spread all over the world. But they saw all the, the Gentiles coming in, coming into Israel and, and being a part in one specific geographical location or being part of one particular sociopolitical reality. But Jesus just came and he blew the whole thing up. And so God's people are now anywhere and everywhere. One people made holy through Jesus Christ. One people made holy by faith in the Son of God. Right? And then you think about this. What, you know, what, what about that temple? Wasn't the whole thing about temple worship and the only thing left now is a wailing wall and you know, people go there and pray, people of various faiths, and people, people of maybe no faith at all just kind of go sometimes just, you know, just in case, you know, um, and, and, and wail by the wall and pray and that sort of deal. Um, there was a huge temple there, right? What, what happened to that? Don't you need that in order to participate in life with God and be among his people? What happened to that whole temple thing, right? The one place where the God of Israel would dwell and make himself known among his people, but Jesus solved that one too. He, he, he had a solution for that. Because in chapter 2, before what we read already this morning, verse 22, it says that in him, in Jesus, you also, you, y'all, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So get this. We, y'all, are God's temple. If you are in Christ, you're the temple. I mean, we like to talk, we like to look at these shows. I like HGTV, and I look at like mobile homes, tiny homes, all that kind of stuff. But the temple of God, God's temple moving all over the world, anywhere and everywhere, God's temple spreading out from Ireland to Kenya to Polynesia, the temple of God spread out throughout the globe, throughout the world. And Paul is in prison simply because he declared God's inclusion of all people. He declared God's inclusion of all people, and there were, and there were his, his brothers who, you know, according, you know, ethnically, who, who were like, uh, no. You know, we, the, we have our ethnic superiority. We have the promises for us, not for those Gentiles. They have oppressed us. Do you know what they have done? Do you know, what they, do you know the kind of stuff that they, they eat? And you know how, how often we've had to battle against them? Do you know how many times we've had to struggle with these other nations? And now you're, gonna, you're talking about the Son of God has come to include these people and not just as second-class citizens but equal with us? And they get the promises, and they don't have to come here to worship, but they can go wherever they are and be the temple of God? What? No. Kill him. Imprison that brother. Get him out of here. But the gospel declares that regardless 
of whether you are part of a minority or a majority culture. If you're in Christ, you are part of his people. See, so whatever you gain or lose this year, God says you're included, first class. Whether you gain or lose the right body type, God says you're included, first class. Whether you, 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 you have confidence, you can gain or, or lose confidence in our legal system this year, God says you're included. First class, if you gain or lose your career this year, God says you're included. First class. If your grades go up or they go down, God says you're included. First class. The mystery of Christ is this revelation that we are one people who are inheriting the whole world the whole world. But it reveals some other things too. It reveals some other things that I, I think we need to see, that we need to look at, right? So it's, it's a, the mystery of Christ is a revelation of Christ, and it also reveals some other things I want to point out. It also reveals God's grace. Look again at verse 7. Paul says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable reaches, riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Paul says that he's been made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he loves making much about God's grace, doesn't he? Loves talking about the grace of God. He makes a really big deal out of the grace of God. He refers to himself here, as we just read, as the very least of all the saints. Right? And, and, and if you understand his word for saints, these are people who have been uh, made sanctified, who have been called holy in God's sight by his grace, right? So no, no, there's nobody boasting in it saying, oh, yeah, you know, I made myself a saint, but it's all by the grace of God. And even in that system, Paul says he's the very least, the very least of all the saints. Right? I, I st he still can't believe that God would have chosen him for this honor that God would have chosen him to, to, to bring this good news of the gospel to the nations, to leave his own people group and to go to do cross-cultural, intercultural ministry. He just, he, could, he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I mean, this is the same brother that would, that would leave, I mean, you know, we think about where we are right now. I mean, so basically he would leave someplace like Charlotte and go to High Point to kill Christians. Right? This, this, is who, this is the guy that we're talking about. This is the same Paul who declared jihad against Jesus, and he was still breathing. He knows something about the grace of God. And so and then he knows that God's grace is not only for him also, but it, it is for us. 
It is for you and I. If you look back at the first, the first part of chapter 2 of Ephesians, he says, you were once dead in your sins, but now you have been made alive with us in Jesus. You were dead in your spirit before God without Jesus. You were dead. His wrath was hanging over you because of your many sins and your wayward nature, your heart which is bent on doing life how you like it and being whoever you think you want to be. You were in control. You were God of your life. You didn't need to walk with God. You just needed God to keep your path open. Just make, just make it plain for me, Lord. This is, get the brush out the way I'm coming through. Right? And, that's, and that's, that's, how we're, that's the temptation for some of us even right now as we look at this new year, as we're going into it, and some of our neighbors is, you know, 2019, new year. I got this. Get out the way. I'm coming through. Come on, God, make it clear. You got the power. Come on, just do what you need to do. But I know, if walking with you, no, I don't need you to do that. Just, just kind of, you know, just, you know, carry my cross. No, I don't know. Just, just kind of open it up. Or just open it up. Make it straight for me. Make the, make the pathway straight. The best of us in the face of death, we, we, we like to hope that we lived like we wanted to and that we've left something behind. But the truth is, it takes a lot of privilege to live like that. A whole lot of privilege. To think that, oh, you know, someone I'm close to has died, I'm considering my mortality, and I kind of know that, hey, at least, you know, I did it my way. At least I left something behind for someone. Let me ask you this. How many of you in your 30s, your 50s, your 60s, even your 20s, have considered your mortality and reflected on your life and, and said, I could die today knowing that I, I, I live like I wanted to and I can um, leave something behind that's worthwhile. How, how many of you can honestly say that? Right? You're in your 20s. Um, fail to launch anybody? Anybody going through that? Still at home with your mom? Dad? In your 60s, are your kids walking with the Lord? Do you even have any kids? Like, do you feel any comfort? Do you feel any joy from that? Right? This might be your last year of life. 2019 might be it for you. Do you realize that? Right? I mean, be honest with yourselves. You know that you really didn't do life your way, and, and you may not have very much to show for your years. You may not have a whole lot to show for it. Hold on. Failures. Things didn't go quite right. The way that you're not quite where you wanted to be, you thought you would be at this point in your life. You could be further along, but your, but your mental health impaired you. Right? You could be further along, but disease got in your way. You could be further along, but your racial privilege or lack thereof has gotten in your way. The glass ceiling got in your way. Your terrible grades impaired you. Your, your thirsty friends, right? the company that you keep, they got in your way. They messed you up. And, and, and think about it, what, what will you leave behind? Is, is, is your mortgage paid off? Do you even own a house? Right, just one. Not two, not summer house, fall house, winter house. Just one house. You even have one. Are all of your children, as I said it before, are all of your children walking with God? Do you even have any children? What are you leaving behind? Have you built anything in the marketplace of business or, or in the arts? Have you left anything? 
will this be the year? Even if you did, will this be the year that all that stuff just comes crashing down? We never think it's us until it is. Right? And what about your failures? See, I'm, I'm talking about the dead end, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, the hope is coming, the grace is coming, but I've got to impress this thing on you. Because you, you, the, the scripture's doing, you've got to see that there is a such thing as real life, eternal life. And so you've got to, you've got to hear this. There's a, there's a dead end for us if we're thinking that, oh, with, I, can, I, don't, I don't need the Lord. I don't need to walk with God. But, it, but I know, I'm confident that when I die, that I, 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 I live life my way and that I have something to, to leave behind that's worthwhile. You have no such guarantee. Tomorrow's not guaranteed to anyone. Right? And then you think about this. Now, okay, what about your failures? What about your adultery? Right? Jesus says it's in here, too. So not just like, oh, I, you know, I didn't cheat on my husband. Uh, how many, yeah? What you've been looking at? What you've been watching? What do you think about late at night? Your husband out working too late, not home, not being intimate with you. Who have you been thinking of? Well, I mean, look, come on. What about your adultery? What about your lying? What about the way your gossip or your silence has hurt other people? Dead in our sins. Dead. You and I don't deserve any blessings in this life. Even less the life to come. None. None whatsoever. So Paul says we were dead without hope and without God in the world. And we, wanna, we want this to be the year of our breakthrough the year of my breakthrough, man, please, we need God to break through into our hearts. We need God to break through into our lives and to change us, to save us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, Paul says, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one, absolutely no one can boast. The very gift you need is not something to show for your life, but the gift of life itself, which comes by grace through faith. That is what you and I need. Whether you gain or lose this year, each year and every year in Christ is a gift simply because you are alive in him. Simply because you're alive in him. And that life is for all people. And this is why Paul could, could serve others and rejoice, even though he was locked up. This is why Paul could get happy about other people starting to be included in what God is doing in the world. Because he had received the gift of God's grace. All right, so real quickly, there's one more thing here that the mystery of God reveals reveals something about his wisdom. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, well, he says, well, let me go back to verse 8. He says, uh, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God 
might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What God has done by making Jew and Gentile into one people under Christ anywhere and everywhere is magnificent. It's beautiful. It's stunning. And, it's, and he says here, when he talks about the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, yes, he's talking about angels and demons. Angels and demons. What God has done by, by bringing all these various nations together and making them one has confounded angels and demons. They don't get it, right? Now, obviously, there's, you know, Team Demon is real angry about the whole thing, right? And then Team Angel is like, wow, look at God, okay? So, but they're both looking. They, they, they're confounded. They can't figure out you know, what's going on here. When um, there was a time, like, uh, if, if you grew up in New York, uh, one of the things in New York City, sometimes one of the dreams that you have is to, uh, to be a part of it to live in sort of the mix of Manhattan, Manhattan. and, uh, you know, to, to be in, in the city, right? To, to, to just say, oh, I actually got to experience that. You know, all these, all these other folks are just moving here, and they get to live in nice apartments and stuff like that. I want that opportunity, too. And so we actually had an opportunity to do that for a little bit when we lived in Washington Heights, and uh, we were pretty close to the George Washington Bridge, and uh, when we moved back there after we left here, and we just... Uh, there's this beautiful park in Washington Heights that it, it borders two different neighborhoods, Inwood and Washington Heights. It's called Fort Tryon Park. And in the middle of Fort Tryon Park is this, this jewel, this beautiful place called the Cloisters, which is an annex of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Some of you who've visited the city, um, you know about that museum, or maybe you've even been to the Cloisters. The Cloisters is... Um, uh, part of a, a donation from uh, J.D. Rockefeller. He actually imported a monastery from overseas and had it brought to and rebuilt in New York City. So it's like, when you got some serious money, you can do some serious art. You know? It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> so we love this man, man. When the wealthy get together with the arts, I mean, it could be this awesome thing. Um, so, there, you know, so that you go there, and you walk through the park. The park in and of itself is beautiful because it's right on the Hudson River. And, um, you know, especially at a certain time of year, and you just see the, the, the waters flowing, this mighty river, the bridge there. And then in the middle is this monastery. And you go inside. And all, most of the art pieces are, are religious in nature, um, Christianity, Christian in particular. And when you walk in, uh, you, you go to uh, one level, and you'll see, uh, you go into a wing, and you see, I don't know if it's still there, but there used to be this, this statue um, that was created of Jesus sitting on a donkey. So like Palm Sunday, uh, our humble king, right, riding into Jerusalem. And there's a statue of him, and he's on the donkey. And you, you turn the corner, and you go into this room, and lined up against the wall are these unicorn tapestries. I mean, they're like 12 feet tall each. It's amazing. And people come from all over the world to see these things. And nobody knows the, the origin of them. 
they, they don't know, like, you know, in what year they were made. I think, like, maybe 14th, maybe 15th century. But Rockefeller got his hands on it, on them, and he, you know, donated it to the museum when the cloisters were built. And so there are people who come from all, all over to see this exquisite artwork. And an example of one of those tapestries is before you on the screen. And that is a unicorn in captivity. And one of the other thing that, that's beautiful about it is, is that um, you know, some, some art, art critics and art experts have said that, that there's, there may be some symbolism here also if you look closely uh, where the, in certain parts of the tapestries where the unicorn represents Jesus. I mean, you look for the mark of the wounds and where, like, when Jesus was wounded in his side on the cross, it might be there in the unicorn. There's a whole lot of stuff there. So people will go there and just kind of just stand there for hours, you know, just look at him, mm, stuff like that, you know. And I, I brought my kids because I thought, like, maybe they would enjoy it and stuff like that. And they just kind of saw it for a second and just kept going, you know. I'm like, the unicorn tapestries, come on, you know. I'm like, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe next time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that might be your experience, too, if you walk through there. But people from all over will come, see this tapestry, gaze at it, wonder, what's going on here? Who did this? Where did it come from? Paul is saying, that tapestry is the church. The church is a rich tapestry. Angels look at all the time. I don't, what, what is that? Such exquisite colors. And, the symbolism there. There are stories of victory and failure, and there's success and there's wounds. There's stuff that people don't know about, but God knows about, and somehow he wove that in. There's these people who have uh, different clothing and different struggles, different kinds of art and food and languages and customs. God has been able to take them and to weave them together into something exquisite, confounding, multicolored, a new society, a new people on display, a rich tapestry made into reality for the heavenly authorities to witness. Peter even said, that angels long to look into the things now revealed and made into reality by the gospel. Now, not many of us in here are Jewish. There might be a couple, a few. Some of you probably have some connections, right? But, but who do we have? I mean, in, in here is mostly what? Ulster Scots, right? Scotch-Irish, Slavs, Greeks, Nigerians, Jamaicans. Irish, right? I mean, just, you know, from people from all over the world, but not Jewish. And the mystery of Christ says that you and your people have always been at the center of God's plan. 2018 may be a year in which you thought my, my, me and my people were left out. What kind of plan were we a part of? But God says you've always been at the center of his. What does he declare by making this rich tapestry? It's that you belong. And he weaves us together with Jewish Christians and believers from other cultures displaying his multicolored wisdom to the world and to the powers and principalities in the spiritual realm. No matter what drama, 
may come to us this year, we are center stage in the theater of God's salvation. Center stage. So let me summarize this. Mystery of Christ reveals that you all, y'all, are worth more than you can possibly believe. Y'all have unprecedented access to God. Y'all are at the center of God's plan. We can say it like this. The mystery of Christ reveals your glory. Right? So there's no need to look anxiously into the unknown, wondering if, if your glory will eventually come or if it's going to be taken away this year. The gospel, the mystery of Christ in the gospel declares that right now you are already alive. and There was no one that can take that life away from you. It has been revealed. Now, am I talking about self-esteem? No, I'm not talking about self-esteem. I'm talking about self-confidence in God. There's a difference. We have a mysterious courage in Christ because it doesn't, doesn't depend on our strength. It doesn't depend on our cunning, but it, it depends on the revealed wisdom and the grace of God. So therefore, we are free to face whatever's coming. Free to face whatever's ahead. Because your glory, your life is hidden in God. We're free to live our days out of the gift of grace and not guilt and fear and shame. And, you know, even as you hear these things, as I've, I've been saying, you're like, okay, you know, I... I, I get this mystery stuff. I get the mystery of Christ, you know, the revelation. Okay, I get that. But I haven't felt it in a while. How, how do I experience it? How do, how do I really get into it? Or how does it really get into me? So let me get practical here. Sometimes a sports magazine or TV, it just, it's not going to keep you. It's just not going to do it. At some point, you just need to go to where the, where the action is, right? You got to go to an event. You got to go see the game played. You have to get into the action. It's the same way in the spiritual life. If God has declared to us through Christ that we are a new society, that we have now become one people, a people who is at the center of his plan, then we need to intentionally invest in one another. We have to be involved in each other's lives. This is why we have things like community groups and retreats and, all that, and, and things of that nature, because we're, we're, we're trying, as a staff, as the leaders of this church, we're trying to, to create opportunities where you get to come together and experience the grace of God, to participate in this rich tapestry that God is putting together, that, that you could know it for yourself, and that others could know God through you. So it's, it's important that we intentionally invest. And I, I know that some of us, we have college buddies and things like that. Hey, you know, I, you know this is my, hey, they're my community, that sort of stuff, and that sort of deal. But look, man, how many times, it, look, that, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I wish I still had some of my college buddies around. It's nice, which is good. And so you kind of you lean on them, especially if they're believers, that's great. Nobody's knocking that. That's not a bad thing at all. My point is, we can't talk about not living this rich tapestry of a life in here 
the lack of it if we're not investing in one another. In here, the local expression of God's church, we need to be involved in each other's lives. Beyond Sunday, beyond Wednesday, Thursday, it takes sacrifice. Ooh, sacrifice. Wait a minute. <laughs> right? Like Pastor Howard was saying earlier with the, with the emails, you know, like the checkbox. Wait, these people, they're going to ask something of me. I have to do something. Yeah, there's still something you, you, you have to do. We're not earning our way into God's grace, but we're doing work so that we can actually live it out and we can actually enjoy it. We need to intentionally invest in, in one another's lives, the people in here that are part of this church. You even heard from our community engagement team that we are one of the reasons why we are in a, a good place to kind of do some of the things that they're proposing service to our city is because of who we are, right? Christ Central is a very diverse church. But sometimes we can be diverse in presence, but not diverse in relationships. It's a big, big difference, big difference. Diverse in number, but not diverse in community. Not really involved in each other's lives, hearing each other's stories, being affected, and oops, even being changed by each other's stuff, transformed by each other's things. But let's not forget that God is the one who is at work doing the weaving. So can we trust him to make something beautiful out of our wrestlings and our prayers and, and, and um, uh, our recreating with one another? Can we trust him? If we want to demonstrate our faith, then we need to intentionally invest in one another's lives. The other thing is that, you know, okay, so how, how can I get into this mystery? We need to, if Christ is our life, if he has given us unprecedented access to God, right, especially if you're not a Jew, like, whoa, like I could, now I have all kinds of access to God that I've never had before in my life. Wait a minute. Then why is it that so many Christians can go through their life every single day without ever consulting Jesus, without ever talking to him? What's your prayer life look like, right? Just, do you know anything about silence? Man, that's hard. Especially now with our smartphones and, you know, and it's just all around us. And we got to stay connected. We'll be really disconnected. You know what I'm saying? Like, where have we intentionally given ourselves the space, the opportunity to hear from the Lord? Outside of right now. Right? And this is good. This is a good start. Coming on Sunday morning and just, oh, I'm going to get to preach word. That's great. So I thought, but wow, you know, but there's so much more for you. Do you see what this? We're, we're talking about life, that God has an abundance that he wants to give away to you. So, this, so when, when, you, when I'm saying these things, if, if you're feeling, if you're starting to feel like shame and all that kind of stuff, man, that's, that's not of the Lord. What I'm trying to say, God's got this buffet for you and it's time to eat. And you've been starving yourself, right, for nothing. Do you know how rich your heavenly father is? Do you see the incomparable riches of Christ that Paul is talking about? It's time to take hold of it. I so said, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I, don't, I haven't experienced this, this great mystery. Well, it, there's some stuff you got to do. You got to get over to the table. Come to the table and eat, right? But uh, spend some time in God's word. Spend some time practicing Sabbath. 
like rest, actual rest. Because only, only slaves work 24-7. Are you a slave? I know I ain't. Hey, <laughs> hey emancipation? I ain't a slave no more. Jesus' emancipation is even stronger than what Abe Lincoln and people gave. So look, I'm free. Come on. Let's, let's get into it. All of us together experience the freedom of Christ and see what he will do and see what he will create. Because a call has been given to us now to live courageously together, to be and to bear witness to the, 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 the mystery of Christ, to live as his rich tapestry of grace before a watching world and watching heavenly authorities. So don't lose heart over this year. Christ may still be revealed in us because he suffered for us. And his glory is, by grace, becoming our own. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your matchless mercy and grace. Thank you for including us in your plan, for revealing to us that we have been at the center of your plan for all ages, for the entire time. Who are we that we should be at the center of history along with your son? Who are we that we should be united with him and experience uh, everything that he has won? Oh God, we know that the riches of Christ are insurmountable, that they are in some ways unsearchable. Who can name them all? And yet you have given us the promise of everything that Jesus has won for us. And the top of that, at the top of that, is you. You have given us yourself. Oh God, you are full of grace. Jesus, you are full of love. Holy Spirit, we are thankful for your fellowship. And we pray that now that you would, uh, that you would come to us at the beginning of this year See our anxieties and our fears and speak peace and comfort to our souls. Bring us closer to yourself that we can experience the life that Jesus died to give us. Not because we are good, Lord, no, but because you are good. We thank you and we expect great things. Great things because you are great. Not, not, not greatness in, in health and not, not necessarily greatness in a bunch of material things, God, but we are expecting more of eternal life. Please come, Lord. Guide us into all truth. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.